If you didn't get a coffee mug this morning, our 2019-themed coffee mugs are in, and uh, one per family, and so you can stop uh, in the back of the auditorium. We have them there, and feel free to pick one up on your way out this, uh, this evening. So we use these as uh, gifts for our visitors throughout the year. We want to make sure our church family has a chance to access those. Tonight's message will be more of a Sunday morning style sermon being brought on a Sunday night. Uh, the sermon is meant to help encourage some wearied hearts, uh, folks that have been trying to do right for a long time and uh, maybe just hit, uh, have hit a tough spot along the way. Let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. Genesis 18, we're going to read from verse 9 down through verse number 15. The Bible says, And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, that's Abraham, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old. And well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of woman, women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Look at verse 14, we find the title of the sermon tonight, Is Anything Too Hard for the Lord. At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying, I laughed not, for she was afraid. And he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. The title of the sermon this evening is a question Is anything too hard for the Lord? Let's pray. Lord, help us tonight to renew our faith in you. And Lord, renew uh, our trust in you. And Lord, to take our eyes off of ourself and our own shortcomings and, and failures and failings and put them on a God who knew about those shortcomings in advance and chose to love us anyway. Lord, may you speak through me tonight and help some weary souls that are here. And the Lord, for others who may not need this right now, Lord, I pray they'd remember this in the months and years to come when their turn of hard times comes their way. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Now, when I gave you the title just a moment ago, everyone in here who uh, knows the Bible and has gone to church, um, you immediately said to yourself, what? No. (laughs) Pastor, why are you even asking that question? Obviously, nothing's too hard for the Lord. Intellectually, as Christians, we know that. But emotionally, sometimes we can wonder if that's true. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Nope. Come on, I mean, He created everything out of nothing, didn't He? Surely He can do whatever He wants. And I would say outside of sinning, there is nothing that God can't do. And intellectually, I understand that. But can I be honest? At times in my Christian life, emotionally and spiritually, I have really wondered whether or not that was actually true. I really have. 
I can even remember times questioning if God was even real. Now, I would have never admitted that out loud. And it hasn't been any time recent, okay? But uh, early on in my Christian life, questioning, is God even up there? Is all this just some big hoax, some big lie to get me to behave in a way that's morally superior to the rest of the world? How many of you ever wondered that? Would you raise your hand? Is, 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 even, is that even a real thing? I, I'm glad to see I'm not alone. To the rest of you, congratulations, you're a step ahead of your pastor at, at, at other times in his life. Um, those of us that have always believed in God, or those of you that have always believed in God, maybe you question along the way if God really can do anything. God is all-powerful. And last fall, in our Back to the Basics series, when we looked at God the Father on Sunday evenings, we academically laid out the fact that God is all-powerful. Uh, tonight, I want us to focus on how that plays out practically. It's not just enough to know up here, yeah, God can do anything He wants, and that God loves me. Practically, what does that look like when situations get tough? How does that uh, uh, work together? I want us to see that even for seasoned Christians, even seasoned Christians can fall in the trap of questioning whether or not God actually can in all circumstances. Do you think Abraham and Sarah, by the time they got to this point in the story, that they weren't seasoned Christians? You bet they were. They've been following the Lord on a strange journey for decades. And Sarah found herself questioning whether or not God could. And if Sarah can fall in that trap, then I sure can and you sure can. Some of you here have doubted along the way. There's probably a few somebodies here tonight that would never admit it out loud, but you are questioning whether or not God really can do anything. You know the biblical answer that you're supposed to give, uh, but deep down inside you wonder whether or not He can help you in your particular dire situation. Maybe there's some sin that you just can't figure out how to overcome. Maybe there's a relationship struggle that you just can't find the answer to. Maybe there's an illness or a medical disorder that has no answer in sight. Maybe there's a financial hardship that seems overwhelming and impossible to overcome. Maybe you can't sleep at night and it's just ruining your quality of life and you've laid in bed and you've prayed to the Lord and said, Lord, please help me sleep so I can have proper perspective on life and night after night you roll over and you turn over and you're restless and you just can't get the sleep you need and you wonder to yourself, God, if you love me so much, then why don't you listen and answer my prayers? Some of you here tonight have prayed about your particular situation for hours, some of you days, some of you months, some of you years and others even decades, and it seems as though nothing ever really changes. Nothing changes. After a while, your faith begins to grow weak. And then you begin to wonder, God, can you? I've prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And you haven't taken the desire away from me. And I'm just going to keep on praying. But I've got to be honest and ask, God, can you? Why is it that nothing changes? God... 
do you even care that I am praying the same prayer and requesting the same thing and going through the same hurt and going through the same trial? Do you even care? God, have I hurt you or somehow disqualified myself in some way to keep you from even answering me? I believe tonight that faith is both believing and doubting and then choosing to walk by faith while doing everything you can to ignore the doubt. Faith is trusting that God actually can do the impossible. Let me say tonight that faith is not just some theoretical Christian uh, thing that gets talked about and practiced by uh, old ancient people that we read about in the Bible or, or the pastor or the deacons or the Sunday school teachers uh, or, or some other Christian somewhere else. Faith is not just a theory that gets preached about in church or read about in the Bible. Faith is not just something that we exercise when we go to church. Faith is where the rubber hits the road when times get tough and you say, I can't see the end, but I know what the Bible tells me to do and I'm going to walk by faith and I'm going to do it and just trust God with the outcome, even though I can't see how it's all going to work out. Faith is personal. Faith is practiced. Faith is the key to living a strong Christian life. And my friend, if you don't have faith, then you cannot succeed in the Christian life. I have to say tonight that I am glad that the God of the Bible is a God that can do anything. And if God, if the God of the Bible is a God that could come through sometimes, but not all the time, it would be really hard for me to put my full weight and trust and faith in that God. But we have a God in the Bible who has pulled through in some very odd circumstances and some very strange ways uh, uh, by man's rationale. And as you read the stories of the Bible, it's very clear that we have a God that can. Tonight I want us to look at five provoking thoughts about God's power and how that works into our lives as we consider this topic Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Number one, fill out that outline given out to you there. I encourage you to do that. Number one, notice Sarah's passion. Sarah's passion. Letter A, she wanted a child. She wanted a child. Look back with me at Genesis chapter number 11. Genesis chapter number 11 and verse 29. Abraham had, or Abram rather, had a brother named Nahor. Abram would later uh, have his name changed to Abraham. And Sarai would have her name changed to Sarah, and commonly in church are referred to as Abraham and Sarah, but uh, much of the Bible, uh, much of Genesis calls them Abram and Sarai. Abram and Nahor were brothers, and Abram and Nahor would get married and have and, 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 and desire children. Look at 29, and Abram and Nahor uh, uh, took them wives, and the name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Iscah, but Sarai was barren. She had no child. Now, why is verse 30 so important? Uh, because Sarai wanted to have a baby. She wanted to have a baby. If Sarai would have married Abram and said, hey, listen, I'll be your wife, but I don't have any kids, verse 30 wouldn't be in the Bible. Sarai wanted a baby, but couldn't have one, and no doubt tried and tried and tried, and it just wasn't going to happen. And I want to just say right here that this is something that a lot of people deal with. 
Can I encourage you tonight, be sensitive and careful around people uh, that, uh, that don't have children. If you know a married couple that doesn't have a baby, don't ask them any questions. Just pray for them. Just pray for them. Maybe they don't want one. But it may be that they do, and God's just not allowed them uh, one. I've got a brother that lives in Chicago. He and his wife are here in church over the Christmas uh, holidays. And he and his wife have been trying to have a baby since they got married, I guess, five or six years ago. And for no apparent reason, God has just closed up his wife's womb, and, and she can't have a baby. And, and I have wept many tears with my brother on the phone, praying that God would open up uh, the, the womb of my sister-in-law. I have wept tears with folks in this church and folks in other ministries, praying and begging God to open up the womb uh, of a woman who wants to have a baby. Now, I know that uh, for most of you here tonight, that is in no way applicable to you. Either you've had your children or you have grandchildren or you're beyond the childbearing years. But can I just say tonight that it may not be uh, a child that you want, but God has put something in your life that you want. Maybe it's victory over a sin struggle. Maybe it's healing over a medical condition. Uh, uh, maybe it's a financial hardship and you just never can seem to get ahead and, and or whatever it would be and you have prayed and called out to the Lord and just as bad as Sarah wanted that child, you want God to come through in such a way. I believe Sarai, much like uh, Hannah, must have gotten on her knees and wept and prayed and asked God to give her a baby and maybe made all kinds of commitments and I'm doing a little speculating there, but I would guess that Sarah was a woman of faith and she would have wanted that and prayed and called out to the Lord and just felt like the prayer were rattling around the walls of the room and not actually getting to God. Have you ever been there where you wanted something so bad like Sarah wanted that child and you prayed and you prayed and you prayed and it just felt like you were just not being heard by God? You ever been there? I know I've been there. Sarah wanted a child. Let her be noticed. It was out of her control. It was totally out of her control. Now, as a man and as a human being, if I want something to be a certain way, I'm going to do everything within the limits of what's ethical and fair uh, and, and legal to get it done. All right. If I can, uh, if I can, if it's important enough to me, I'm going to go out of my way to make sure that it happens, and I'm going to give my whole self to it, every bit, every energy. And if I, and if I want it done, and I don't want to put my own energy into it, then I send Matthew to get it done. Amen. Maybe that's getting a drink out of the refrigerator. Listen, why do you have children? You have children so you can boss them around the house and tell them what you want done for you, right? That's why you have children. And, um, uh, and then that's why you have your grandchildren come over, right? So that they can do that for you. And uh, I'm glad that uh, we live in a day and age where we have a remote control that can change the channel from the seat. But i got to tell you, at this point in my life, it wouldn't matter. I'd just make Matthew change it if the remote didn't work. Uh, but um, I like my, my environment the way I want it. I'm going to do everything I can to try to change it. But listen, there are some things in life you cannot change. You cannot change. Listen, if my brother could take a million dollars... He doesn't have it, but he'd probably go find it and get it and put that out there. If that's what it took for his wife to get pregnant, I'm sure he would go find a way to get a million dollars or kill himself trying or to get his, get, have his wife be pregnant. But it's just not happening. It's out of their control. There may be some medical illness that comes into your life, and there is no amount of money that's going to heal you. 
There may be some hardship and uh, that comes your way. And no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, you just can't get out of it. What you need is you need divine intervention. And that divine intervention must come in and change your circumstance. Well, for Sarah, uh, we'll see here that she made a big mistake when she couldn't have a baby. Look at Genesis 16. For years they had been trying and uh, not being able to have a child. So Sarah took matters out of God's hands and put them in her hands. Look at verse 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children. And she had in handmaid an Egyptian whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. Uh, it may be that I may obtain a, a children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. And Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, uh, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife. And he went in unto Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, look here, her mistress was despised in her eyes. Sarah had a lapse in faith. Sarah said, God, you're not working on my timetable, so I'm going to take matters in my own hand. I've got this servant girl, Hagar, that's been with us for many years, and, and, and she's loyal to me, and I love her. Hey, Abraham, marry her and see if God will give the two of you a baby. And, and then I'll take that baby out of her womb, and I'll make it my own. Well, as soon as that baby was conceived and it was obvious that Hagar was pregnant, oh boy, the jealousy began. That's what happens when we take matters in our own hands and we quit having faith. Now, uh, I know that sometimes the lines can get blurred between where uh, we must do the work and we must trust the Lord. And, 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 and Pastor, uh, am I supposed to do work hard to make it happen or am I just supposed to trust God to make it happen? And the answer, honestly, is both. But the answer is that you do the work while you're trusting God to use your work to get it done. And you do the work that's in line with Scripture. God's never going to have you break the law of, uh, break, break, uh, the laws of the land or the laws of the Bible in order to accomplish what He wants. And this was totally out of Sarah's control and she tried to bring it within her own control and boy, she just made a big mess. Number one, Sarah's passion. Number two, notice God's Promise. God's promise. Now, God had made a promise to Sarah that, or to, to Abraham that Sarah was going to have a baby all the way back in Genesis chapter 12. Look here at chapter 12, verse 2. Abraham uh, is told by God, And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Turn over to chapter 17 and look at verse 15. Now they've been traveling for quite a while and doing the work of the Lord and as God's commanded them to do. So for the most part, they've obeyed. They've, they've made some mistakes along the way. Those are documented there in the chapters. But uh, God comes down and reminds a, uh, uh, Abraham, listen, don't give up. Your wife is going to have a baby. Look at chapter 17, verse 15. And God said unto uh, Abraham, as for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt uh, not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall, be, shall her name be, and I will bless her. And give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. 
King of people shall be of her. I can almost see uh, Abraham saying back in Genesis 12, Well, God, you promised to make me a great nation, but nowhere did you mention my wife by name. Maybe you wanted me to do this through another avenue. And God comes back in Genesis 17 and says, No, 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 it's not going to be Ishmael that was born through Hagar. This is, this is going to be a child that I give you and Sarah specifically. No, Sarah hasn't had a baby. And yes, Sarah is aging. And, and, and things don't seem like they're going to fit, but stay the course. Letter A, notice the conditions of his promise, the conditions of his promise. God told uh, Abraham, I will give you and your wife a baby, but there's something that I want you to do to me. Look at chapter 12, verse 1. Chapter 12, verse 1. Please follow along in your Bible there. The Bible says, Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And then in verse 2, and I will make of thee a great nation. So what did they have to do? They had to get up where they were, they had to pack all their stuff up, and they had to leave, and they had to go to a mysterious land that God was going to show them. Uh, Abraham, you want to have a baby? The conditions on having that baby is that you must get up where you are, and you must leave and go where I tell you to go. That is... The one and only condition. Now, I'm going to come back to this point a little bit later in the sermon. But I want you to notice here, again, I'm going to reference this a minute. Uh, so I just want to say this, and I'm going to mention back to it in a minute, how specific the condition was. It's very specific. God said, Abraham, if you get up and leave, I will give you and your wife a baby. Let her be notice the commitment to his promise. The commitment to his promise. Turn to Genesis 15. Verse 18, and I can see Abraham's faith beginning to waver throughout this journey. And uh, he's outside uh, one day of his tent while they're traveling and he's talking to the Lord. And God is saying to him, hey, look up at the stars of the sky. Can you count them? That's going to be how many children that uh, you're, you're, uh, uh, that you have. Not directly, but uh, through your womb. That's how many people are going to be in the world. And do you see the grains of sand on the sea? Uh, see? That's how many, uh, that's how many are going to be born uh, uh, through your generations. And you need to trust in me. And, and God even went as far as saying, hey, look, let me show you how serious I am. And he had Abraham take some animals and cut them in half. And sort of a weird process, but laid them on uh, one half from the other down the way there. And God came and His Spirit moved in between those as a covenant Abraham saying, You have my word that this will happen. That is called the Abrahamic covenant. Look at chapter 15 and uh, verse number 18. It says there, In the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land, from the river of Egypt, under the great river, the river Euphrates. On down you read that the covenant involved that uh, I'm not just giving the land to you and Sarah. I'm giving it to you and Sarah and all of your children and grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and all those that come. God told uh, 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 Abraham, here are the conditions of your promise, and here is my covenant, my commitment to keep the promise. And remember, the idea of the message tonight is, is anything too hard for the Lord? Number three, notice Sarah's perspective. Sarah's perspective. Now, there have been times where um, I've gone to work for somebody and they've taken advantage of me. I've shared some of those stories in church. I won't rehash them. But I've been taken advantage of by people in my married life. 
Um, uh, I've been taking advantage of uh, telemark. I've been taking advantage of by telemarketers on the phone years and years ago when I first got married. I was young and dumb. Okay, um, I've um, um, I've gotten to a place where uh, I am skeptical. I look at things with an eye of skepticism, but I'm sure you do too. I know you do because I watch you watch me preach every week, so I know that's true. Okay, uh, I say that tongue in cheek, but I'm not the only one that's grown skeptical. My wife. My wife has begun or has grown skeptical at times. And you know the old adage, if it's too good to be true, it's probably what? Too good to be true, right? You guys don't know that adage, I can tell. You didn't really respond or that or you're sleeping. Either it's, if it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true. There have been times where I've come home and said to my wife, yeah, my uh, uh, the boss says I'm going to get a raise in six months. And she goes, uh-huh, uh, we'll see. Uh-huh, I don't know about that. Or I'll come home and say, hey, you know, if all of this lines up like this, we're going to be able to buy this at this point. She says, well, we'll see when we get there if it works out that way. And I'm thankful for a wife that helps keep me measured and balanced. And all that is very important. And there's times where I act as that balance to her. And I can see that Abraham would go out and he'd talk to the Lord. And God would say to Abraham, he'd say, yep, your wife's going to have a baby. And he'd say, all right, you sure, God? I'm sure. Are you really, really sure? I'm sure. And Abraham would go back in the tent. He'd say to Sarah, he'd say, have another conversation with the Lord again. Uh-huh. Yep. Mm-hmm. How'd that go? Oh, it went great. What did he tell you? He said, you're going to have a baby. Yeah, he said that the last 20 times you talked to him. But I, I'm not pregnant. And I can see a layer of skepticism beginning to grow in Sarah's heart. Now, I'm going to give you uh, Sarah's perspective. And the, this first one, I'm going to be totally honest, is speculatory on my part. The next two, I'm going to give you some Bible verses on. But I believe that some of you here can relate with this first speculation. And I think that maybe you can see where I'm getting the speculation from. Letter A, maybe God forgot us. Maybe God forgot about me. Maybe he just forgot about me. God, you made this promise. But it's not really playing out by my expectation. And not only has it not played out by my expectation, but my expectation was passed years ago. Well, God, maybe you just forgot about me. I'm not going to ask anybody to raise their hand tonight, but I wonder how many of you feel that way right now. Maybe some of you here have felt that way before. I've prayed and prayed and prayed for something that I believe is scriptural. I believe is in line with God's will. It's not working out. It's not working out. We, um, we were unhired at a church. And that pastor felt terrible about that. Matthew is uh, just a few weeks old. Frederick Baptist Temple was the name of the church. It was about an hour away from where we lived. I had borrowed $1,200 and bought a car. Um, I borrowed $1,200 from my brother and bought just some junker car. And I was using that to go back and forth between Frederick Baptist Temple and Middle River, Maryland. About an hour, hour and 15 minute drive. And there was a pastor there who had a church. It was about, uh, about half the size of this. And he was needing to replace his son-in-law who was moving to the West Coast. And so he had me come out. And he had me come out. And he had me come out every day for a week. He paid for my gas. And he led me on. He strung me along to believe 
that I was going to get hired there. And it was going to be a really good paying job. And we were going to have a place to live. And everything was going to be just fine. And then, uh, and then uh, he called me in his office about a week after that. And he sat me down. And after having almost promised me the job and stringing me along the believe he was going to give me the job, and then having had that done to me by the previous guy who had actually hired me and unhired me before I started, we got to that point. And, and, and then he said to me, he said, this isn't going to work. I'm going to have to go a different direction. And I can't hire you. And I got in my car and I had no more income coming my way. And I had a rent payment to make at the end of the month. And I began to drive home, and I began to weep and cry. And I pulled off to the side of the road, and I said, Lord, I wanted to be an assistant pastor when I finished college, and there was no position available. And then I wanted to be an assistant pastor at Hunt Valley Baptist Church, and that door closed. And then I wanted to be an assistant pastor at Frederick Baptist Temple, and that door's getting slammed shut. God, did you forget about me? You called me to be a pastor. I know you did. I can take you to the pew I was sitting in and the chapel room I was sitting in. And I can tell you the sermon that was preached. And I remember definitively you moved in my heart. And this is what you want for me. And all I want is to be a pastor in a church and love people and lead people. And why won't you make this happen? I, at that moment, felt like God had just forgot about me. Letter B, looking at Sarah's perspective... Not being able to have a baby, let her be. Notice she said uh, she must have thought to herself, maybe I'm disqualified. Maybe I'm disqualified. Look at Genesis 16, verse 5. Again, we find the story of where she gives over Hagar to Abraham to marry and go in and conceive and have a child through the womb of Hagar. Look at verse 5. And Sarai said unto Abram, my wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid into thy bosom, and when she saw that she was conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judge, the Lord judge between me and thee. Just this week I talked to a Christian who's very discouraged. This Christian some time ago made some really poor decisions. That has greatly hurt his life. And he said to me, he said, Pastor... I think I'm disqualified. I think I've disqualified myself from God's blessings. There may be someone here tonight that fits in Sarah's boat. You've made some poor choices in your life. It's really hurt you. At first you blamed others and then eventually you owned up and accepted your own shortcomings and... It really isn't whether or not God can. It's that you feel as though God just won't. Because you have disqualified yourself. Here's what I really believe about Sarah. I believe that Sarah, when she sat in that tent that day, and laughed within herself, I don't think that Sarah had lost faith in God whether or not he could. I believe Sarah just felt like she had disqualified herself from God doing it. I'm so glad tonight to tell you that we serve a God whose grace reaches much farther than your sin. You cannot climb or fall farther than His grace can reach. Now, shame on us if we abuse that grace. Shame on us if we just say, well, since God's grace is going to cover me, I'll just do whatever I want and then ask God to forgive me. 
hey, listen, this isn't a Catholic church where you live how you want Monday through Saturday. Show up to Mass on Sunday, confess your sins to a priest, and then go out and repeat again. All right? Some people treat God that way. I'll live however I want. When I'm done, I'll go confess my sin to God, and, and everything will be okay. And I'll just say this. Look at David in the Bible. David fooled around, was immoral, killed a man to cover up his, his path, uh, his tracks, and thought he could hide it and had hidden it until God told Nathan, hey, this is what's going on. Because you can't hide sin from God. And once it had been discovered and, and, and David came clean, you know what? David lived the rest of his life under the hand of God's grace. Uh, under a sense of forgiveness from God, but still suffering the painful consequences of his choice. I believe that Sarah mostly felt that she had just disqualified herself from being able to have a baby. Now again tonight, let me be clear, that the idea of pregnancy or the, the, the problem of a lady not being able to get pregnant is such a narrow scope that it only applies to just a few people. And I'm not meaning to preach a sermon tonight aimed at that just that crowd. I want to make sure it's clear that tonight this is about that area of limitation where you question whether or not God's power can really come through for you. You remember a few moments ago where we looked at how specific and narrow God's uh, uh, commitment was, or rather how specific and narrow uh, the condition of the promise was. Remember a few moments? What, would, what, did, what did God tell Abraham had to happen for his wife to have a baby? He had to get up and leave. There was never uh, a stipulation put on it that said, if you two fool around and are unfaithful to each other or uh, get into a polygamous marriage, that, I, that disqualifies you. And what you've got to do, my friend, is you've got to take the Bible promise by promise, and you've got to do your part, your end of the condition, and know that God's going to come through. Hey, did Abraham and Sarah get up and leave Ur of the Chaldees and go to the land that God had shown them? You betcha. That meant God was obligated to come through. And Abraham and Sarah had taken their eyes off of that one thing and felt like maybe that they had just been disqualified. And I'm here today, to, to, or rather, I'm here this evening to tell you, if you'll do your part and you'll uh, keep your end, God will come through for you. You say, well, pastor, you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know about the bad decisions I've made. And you don't know how awful my life has been. I'm going to tell you right now that today is the first day of the rest of your Christian life. You get up today and you begin to follow the promises in God's Word and, and keep the co conditions of those promises you begin to sow the seeds of living a life of righteousness, and I promise in time, you will reap a field of goodness from God because of that. You will begin to reap a field of those promises coming to fruition. And Sarah said, maybe I'm disqualified. Let her see notice. She said, maybe, uh, maybe her perspective was, maybe God can't. Maybe God can't. Go back to Genesis 18 and verse 9. And they said unto him, there were, by the way, there were a group of angels that came down. One of them, I believe, was an Old Testament appearance of Jesus, accompanied with a couple of other angels. And they came walking up and to where Abraham and Sarah's field or tent was, rather. And so they're sitting outside and they're eating a little meal together, Abraham and these angels, one of them being Jesus in the Old Testament. So the they is the angels, okay? And they, the angels, said unto him, 
Where is Sarah thy wife? And he, Abraham, said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly, this is this would have been the Lord speaking through that angel, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life, and lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. Now, do you know how preposterous this sounds? Sarah's an old woman by this point. Sarah had gone through all of the the changes of life that go on with with moving out of the childbearing years into the years where you no longer can have a child. All of those physical changes that happened, Sarah wasn't, in her mind, ever going to have a baby. That ship had sailed a long time ago. So to have this stranger come walking up and sit on a blanket outside of her tent and tell her husband that, uh, yeah, your wife is going to have a baby, that sounded preposterous to her. Sarah, thy wife, shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well-stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed, not out loud, laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord also, or being old also? I think Sarah had not just gotten through a place of, uh, I'm disqualified, but it's possible Sarah had even gotten to a place of just saying, I don't think God can. I just don't think God can. Uh, is God really as powerful as He says He is? Now again, I believe there is this tug of war that goes on between our intellect and our emotions. We know God can do anything, but when push comes to shove, emotionally, sometimes we question that. And I think it had gone from Sarah's emotions up into her head, and she just said, nope, the idea of me having a baby is gone. And i got to say, Sarah, no, God promised that you would, then you need to stay hopeful. Let's, know, let's move on and notice next, number four, God's plan. God's plan. Here's what I want you to get from the message tonight. Letter A, he wants your faith. He wants your faith. Do you know why God does these type of things to people? He's just trying to grow your faith. I can take you back to that uh, that story where that pastor unhired me. And then I went and interviewed with his friend up the road. And, and he strung me along. And then at the last minute, the door slammed in my face. Uh, I'll quickly tell you the rest of that story. I don't think I've shared this with the church before. Just I just want to show you the hand of God. all right, And how God wants to grow your faith. We were facing a lot of uncertainty. Everything had lined up perfect for us. We uh, were finishing up our apartment lease in May. I was finishing up my school contract in May. And uh, Matthew had just been born. I had been hired at that church one day prior. And we were going to start and not miss a paycheck. Then that pastor went and unhired me. And then he uh, and then he sent me up the road to his buddy. And he strung me along. And then he, at the end, shut the door and didn't hire me. And he had told me, I'll pay you for two weeks while you uh, find a job in the ministry. Uh, this was the guy that had hired me. And then uh, after that, you're on your own. And so we were coming to the end of the two weeks. In order for us to stay in that apartment, I had to sign a month-by-month lease, which was 115% of the original year lease. So our rent payment went from like $900 a month up toward $1,000 a month, and I didn't have any income to pay this. 
We are living on a shoestring budget and even going into some credit card debt because our income was lower than what we were making. And so, uh, or rather, the outgo was less than our income. And so we were and living living on basically nothing. And so we were really uh, at our wits end. And, and I remember we needed $400, rather $300, to be able to pay our rent at the end of the month. And uh, uh, we were $300 short to be able to pay our rent at the end of the month. And I looked at my wife and I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go out and look for a job. But even if I get a job, by the time I get that first paycheck, we're not going to be able to do it. Now, mind you, I was brand new to the ministry. I'd never been a pastor in a church. No one knew who I was. I was a, a nobody, nothing in the, in the grand scheme of preachers. And, and it shouldn't have worked out uh, for me to be able to get a preaching engagement. And lo and behold, my phone rings from Bethel Baptist Church in La Plata, Maryland, around the corner from Waldorf. I know nobody around here would know where that is. But I got a call. I'd never heard of this church. They didn't never heard of me. And they said to me, they said, is this Richard Lejeune? And I said, it's Richard Lejeune. Yes. What can I do for you? And they said, uh, well, hey, uh, we've had your name on our list for two years. A friend of yours that you went to college to, his mom goes to our church. Our pastor died and we've been filling the pulpit and we've had your name on a list for two years and uh, just haven't called you. Hey, would you be willing to come up this Sunday and, and preach for us and uh, uh, fill the pulpit? Sunday school, Sunday morning and Sunday night. And I looked at Angela and I said, let's do it. I told him, I said, I don't have the gas money to get home. I can get there but I can't get home. So we hopped in the car. They put us up in a hotel. And uh, we went in and I preached Sunday school. I preached Sunday morning. I preached Sunday night. And I was a raw rookie preacher if, there I, if, I, if I ever was one. And I got in the car after Sunday night. And they had handed me a check, uh, which was a love offering. And I gave it to my wife. And as we're getting ready to pull out of the parking lot, I look over at her as we're pulling out on the street from the parking lot. And she's got the check stub open. And tears are running down her cheeks. And I said, well, what's it say? What's it say? And she said, uh, she couldn't talk. Uh, she was she just so choked up, she couldn't talk. So I pulled the car off the side of the road, and I reached her, and I ripped it out of her hand, and I looked at the che- bottom of the check stub, and it said, Sunday school, $100. Sunday morning, $100. Sunday evening, $100. Because you were a blessing, $100. They gave us a check for $400 when we needed $300 to pay our rent. We were able to go home, uh, uh, cash the check, buy some groceries and tithe, and, and, and pay off our rent. Because God in heaven was looking for us to be faithful. And in that journey of uncertainty, in that journey uh, of, of, of wanting something really bad, of being in the ministry, God said, I'm going to give you a little taste of it, and then I'm going to pay your bills because you're my child and I love you. My friend, tonight, what God was trying to do with Sarah in this journey of not being able to conceive, God was saying to her, Hey, Sarah, I want to know something, Sarah. Where is your faith? To you tonight, I don't know what your problem is. And that hold up where God just isn't coming through in your timing and expectation. Maybe you're beating yourself up over past mistakes. Maybe you've just thought God has forgotten about you. Maybe you just feel as though God can't. And God is saying in heaven, I absolutely can. And I'm holding back answering your prayer because I don't just want you. I want your faith. Look at Genesis 18.14. And notice the question from God after Sarah laughs within her heart. He says, he says, is anything too hard for the Lord? 
At the time appointed, I will return unto thee. God was saying here, hey, Sarah, it's not about your timing. It's about my timing. At the time appointed, that word appointed is the same word for appointment. Hey, it's on my calendar, God was saying. I've got it scheduled. I know the day you're going to get pregnant. Sarah, when that time comes, hey, it's going to work out. Not on your schedule, but on mine. Now, can I tell you something tonight? Sarah learned her lesson. Sarah learned to have faith. Hebrews 11.11 says, Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive, and she delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. I believe that challenge in that tent today. Sarah changed her mind and said, Lord, I will believe that you can. Let her be. He wants your fellowship. Go back with me to Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. And I'm going to point something out that I believe a lot of people just look over when they're reading through the Bible, especially the Old Testament. And, uh, and I think you'll pick up on it here in just a moment. We're going to move quickly through several verses. Genesis 12, 1. Notice the Bible says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram. Look down at chapter 12, verse 7. And the Lord appeared uh, unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. Look at Genesis 13, 14. And the Lord said unto Abram. Look at chapter 15, verse 1. I'm moving quick. Keep up. Genesis 15, 1. It says, After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Chapter 17, verse 1. We'll just do one more. There are several other options on the screen there where this pattern continues. We'll just look at one more. And when Abram was 99 years old, 90, 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me. Walk before me and be thou perfect. What do all these verses have in common? God spoke to Abraham. God spoke to Abraham. You know, what was the first point of the message? You got it in your notes there? Sarah is what? Sarah's passion. Sarah had a passion. Sarah had an end game in mind. And God looked at Sarah and he said, you're not ready for that yet. It's not time. Sarah, before we can get here where you want to be, I need to take you on a journey. And I need to grow your faith. I need to make your faith more real and intense. Sarah, while I'm growing your faith, you and I have some walking together that we need to do. You and I need to get closer. You and I need to have a relationship that's more intimate. Not only do you and Abraham need to have a relationship that's better, not only does Sarah need to have a relationship that's better, Abraham, you and I need to walk together. We need to commune with each other. We need to talk with each other. And my friend, uh, before you can get that object that you're so passionate about, if it fits in God's grand scheme of things, you must... I have faith in Him. That faith must grow. And ultimately what God wants is for you to fellowship with Him. Can I tell you that I have tried all different sorts of ways of getting God's attention when I'm just being a brat and not getting my way. I get down on my knees and I say, Lord, I want this, I want this. And I turn around and look and God isn't doing anything. I say, Lord, please give it. And I pray and pray and I'm not getting it. And I, it's, it's like God's ignoring me. And you know what He's really doing? He's saying, wait. Right? So I've tried, listen, I've tried all kinds of methods right here. I have tried fasting. That's a good one. That's a biblical one. 
I have tried uh, uh, just being persistent in prayer. That's a good one. Can I tell you one I've tried that isn't so good? I've tried stonewalling God. Huh, okay. You don't want to give me what I want? I'm not going to walk. Then I'm done. Yeah, I'll go to church and go through the motions. But I'm not reading my Bible. I'm not going to pray. I told you guys about the time I got the job driving the box truck delivering tires. And that was a really low point in my life. I really felt like God had let me down big time. I just did. Now, I can see later he didn't. But at that time, that's how I felt. You know what I'd do? Uh, I'd get in my a box truck and I'd turn on the radio and I would turn on ESP in 1300. Or 97.9 on the north end of, of Connecticut. And I would turn it up real loud. And I would listen to sports radio all day. Boy, I knew all the AutoZone commercials. I had them all down, man. I could just about re- uh, repeat them word for word. I would listen to Mike and Mike in the morning. And I, you know, uh, 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 I'd listen to all of it. You know what I was really doing? I was trying to drown out God. Because I was angry at Him. God, this is what I want. I want to be a pastor. And you aren't letting me do it. You have me thrown out of a church unfairly and unethically. God, you're not being fair to me. If you're not going to be fair to me, I'm not going to talk to you. And what God was saying is, hey, I need your fellowship. After several months of that, I was riding up Route 8. At the time, I only thing I knew Route 8 for was just a road I drove up to take exits and throw tires off the back of a truck. That's all it meant to me. I had no idea it would be a road I'd travel up and down every day to go home from the church I'd pastor years later. But I'm riding up Route 8. I must have been up somewhere near Seymour, Ansonia. The Lord got the best of me. I pulled my truck over on the shoulder. I turned ESPN off. I put my head down and I began to weep. And I said, Lord, I'm sorry I've stonewalled you. I'm sorry I've cut my walk off with you out of anger and frustration. Lord, it isn't that you can't or that you won't. It's that you want me. You want me. Some of you here tonight may be stonewalling God in your own way. You've just put it in cruise and you're going along. Can I tell you, don't do that. God's going to give you what He wants in the right time. But on that journey, He wants your fellowship. He wants your fellowship. Number five, notice God's power. God's power. I'm going to give you what seems to be a paradoxical A and B here, but I think after we look at some verses, you'll understand it. Letter A, notice God's limitless power. God's limitless power. Look at Genesis 21 and verse number 1. And we get the, boy, we get the happy ending. The, the, they all lived happily ever after type ending. Genesis 21. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son, which was born unto him, uh, uh, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. By the way, you know what the name Isaac means? It means laughter. <laughs> I love that. Isn't that great? Sarah laughed in her heart and she turned around and named her son laughter. For uh, It had a double meaning. Look down at verse 5. 
And Abraham was in a hundred years old when, uh, when his son Isaac was born unto him. Now, if you study out the passage, you uh, learn, uh, just Genesis 12 all the way through, you learn the age difference in Abraham and Sarah. So if Abraham was a hundred years old, Sarah would have either been 90 or 91, depending where in the year it was. Uh, uh, now, a 90-year-old given birth? That's pretty weird, right? Let's see, who in our church is 90? Does anybody know? Um, Maxine, I think, is 91. Can you imagine Maxine had a baby? It'd be crazy, right? Maxine came in and told everyone, I'm pregnant. Now, I understand that they lived to be quite a bit older back then. Um, I did some math. Proportionately, I believe Sarah was 147 when she died. And again, the ages of, of life were tapering down. Proportionately, that would, it would be equivalent to a lady who is 60 today having a baby. Now, that's a little less weird, right? I won't ask who near 60. Someone's going to get their feelings hurt. I'm smarter than that, okay? But uh, imagine a 60-year-old lady having a baby. That'd be weird. You know what God did? He came through. He came through. You know why? His power is limitless. We look at um, uh, seasons of life and say, well, there's birth, and then there's the developing into the reproductive years, and then there's the reproductive years, and then there's the, the, the golden post-reproductive uh, years. And in, in our little universe, there's this neat little fit of how things are supposed to work. And God says, I don't need to operate within your parameters. I'm all powerful. If I want to give you a baby at 60 or 90, or if I want to keep you alive to a thousand and giving you one of them, I can do that because I'm God and I'm all powerful. And it doesn't matter to me what your problem is. It doesn't matter to me how dire the circumstances. It doesn't matter to me how long you've been praying. It doesn't matter if it's been days, weeks, months, decades. It doesn't matter. I'm God and I can come through for you and answer your prayer whenever I want. The question isn't, am I all-powerful? The question is, am I going to have your faith? Am I going to have your fellowship on the journey? Tonight, some of you need to recommit that, God, my expectations are not being met. But it's okay, because you are a God that can come through whenever you want. And I need to trust you. Hey, listen, tonight, the biggest thing I have learned in my adult Christian life is that God's timing is hardly ever my timing. And I've got to learn to lay down my timing and trust His. Letter B, notice God's limited power. God's limited power. Well, hold on, Pastor. I thought you said God's power was limitless. It is, but at times, we limit it. Turn over to Psalm 78, and I finish the sermon here. Psalm 78, 41. Now, listen closely to this statement while you're turning there. While God is limitless in what He can do, He is oftentimes limited in what he does do. Let me say that again. I recommend you write this down and meditate on this later. While God is limitless in what he can do, he is oftentimes limited in what he does do. What he does do. God can do whatever he wants, but God is oftentimes limited by us 
You say, oh, pastor, where are you getting at? Psalm 78, 41, speaking of the children of Israel. I looked at this, the Spanish message I brought last night. And so for those of you that were there for that, uh, this is this part will be slightly repetitious. But but indulge me here. Verse 41. Yea, they turned back and tempted God and, and limited. They limited the Holy One of Israel. They limited the, they limited the all-powerful God. There is one thing Sarah could have done that have kept herself from, from getting her prayer answered, that passion received. Sarah could have kept on living a life with no faith. You know, I think God was waiting for Sarah to pass some tests before he opened up that womb. Sarah was a hard case to crack. Hey, tonight, let's not be a hard case to crack. He wants your faith. Does he have it? You don't have to see the end. You, you don't have, listen, we don't live in Missouri. This isn't the show me state. Just say to God, just say, I can't see how it's all going to work out, but I know I'm going to be loyal to you. And I know I'm going to walk with you through it all. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed tonight. Lord, thank you for your word. May tonight we give you our faith. Not just this theoretical thing that's talked about, but Lord, when the clouds are dark over our head and our prayers seem to go unanswered or the wait sign is put up by your hand. Or may we trust you all the same. May our faith be refined, and purged and purified. Lord, may we not stonewall you and ignore you and cut you off. But Lord, may we indulge in our walk with you. May it grow deeper and richer and fuller. Lord, that's what you want. That's what you want from us. So may we be quick to give that to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed and eyes closed. The altar's open. How about it tonight, Christian? There's something that you've been...